Well, unless Starla changes her mind, which she has every right to, she says she's going to stay right there for this final wrap-up session. But I will tell you this, Pastor Terry, as we were driving in uh, through Tennessee, we have never, I don't think we've ever gone past Nashville. And as we went past Nashville, we drove in just because we wanted to enjoy some time and not be rushed. And, and we don't particularly like flying these days. <laughs> uh, but as we were driving past Nashville and coming into the Pigeon Forge area, Starla actually said, she said, and I said, this is a beautiful place. She said, yeah, this would be a great place to live. <laughs> I said, wait, wait, you do know we have a church back in Dallas, right? It's kind of like our job. Uh, she said, well, yeah, 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 that's a small thing. Uh, so you may already have my wife. I don't know. But man, what a privilege to be able to be here. And uh, Todd, can you look back through those slides and see if you can find a social media slide back from the slides we used the first night? You got? Oh, there you go. Hey, we would love if uh, you would come along on this journey with us uh, and follow us uh, either on Instagram or Facebook or our website, Better Marriage 365. Uh, not for any other reason. We don't sell any product on this. I mean, you can access the books and the resources, but we would really covet your prayers uh, because our, our real focus is pastors. Uh, we believe if we can invest in pastors' uh, marriages and pastors' families, then we can affect the entire church. But our heart is for pastors. And so if you want to come along, follow what we're doing, and just pray for us. Just pray for us. And uh, we would really, really appreciate it. And I want to say again to Jason and his team, you guys did such a great job leading us in worship. Man, we appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it's not just every conference retreat or even church service that you just get really good worship. And uh, sometimes we get a little spoiled, but, and, uh, but we've loved getting to meet you all. But I just have a few things I want to say this morning as we kind of wrap up and then we uh, move into a moment of communion. Uh, we've talked about the, the five things uh, just in passing that we felt like we got wrong in our marriage that we decided we were going to do right. And that's what we ended up writing about in the Never Settle for Good Enough book and workbook. But it was priorities, first of all. We had to get our priorities in alignment. And then communication. We had to learn how to communicate. And we talked a little bit about that last night. But one of the things that Starla and I, we still use often and encourage that when you just don't understand what your spouse is saying, uh, we just always, and we find ourselves doing this all the time. Okay, say that again in a different way. Just, just say it different because I didn't quite get what you were saying. Uh, just say it in a different way. And we kind of have to laugh about it because I'm usually the one not getting it. Uh, I'll admit I'm a little slower and don't always pick up on the details, but just say that again in a different way. Uh, but communication, loving right God's way, because the world's way of love is different and counter than God's way. Uh, loving right God's way, that was the third thing. Number four is boundaries, and then five is dying to self. And I'm going to talk to you just for a moment about boundaries, and then we're going to move into dying to self as we uh, wrap this up in communion. Every healthy marriage has to have healthy boundaries. In fact, 
I won't take time and read the passage to you. You know the story in Exodus chapter 19, whenever God spoke to Moses and he was preparing him for the giving of the law, the giving of the Ten Commandments uh, that came in Acts chapter 20. But in Acts 19, he tells Moses to go back down the mountain and he told him to set limits on the people or to put boundaries up. And he said, go down to the bottom of the mountain. He said, I want you to put boundaries up. And wherever you put those boundaries, that, that will be it. Moses, you're the one. You're in charge. I want you to put those boundaries there. And then he said, tell the people, don't cross the boundary. If they cross the boundary, they'll die. But if they stay on the right side of the boundary, they will live. And he told Moses, I'm coming in a cloud and I'm going to I'm going to descend upon this mountain and I'm going to speak to you, but tell the people, don't come up the mountain, stay on the other side of the boundary. And it was a foreshadow. I know you know this. It was a foreshadow of the coming of Christ whenever Jesus would return. And those who are on the right side of a relationship with Jesus Christ would live and have everlasting life. And those that are on the wrong side of relationship with Jesus would perish. So boundaries are important. God told Moses, tell the people, what the boundaries are. And wherever you set the boundaries, that's where they will be. And the fact is, every single one of us have the responsibility to set healthy boundaries for our marriages. Now, it's, if we view it wrong, if we view these things as limitations, well, you're missing the point of the boundaries. This is protection. We have boundaries that allow us to be able to navigate water properly, but when the water gets outside of the boundaries, what does it do? It brings destruction, right? So the boundaries are not there to limit. The boundaries are there to enhance. We have fireplaces and we have fire pits so that we can utilize the beauty and the wonder and the majesty uh, of fire. But when fire gets outside of the boundaries, it's destructive. It will destroy things. And it's the same way with our marriages. It's the same way with our lives. Pastors, leaders, husband, wife, you've got to have healthy boundaries and you and your spouse have to walk through these together. They have to be agreed upon. For priorities to function, there has to be agreed upon priorities. You've got to agree that your priority list have to match up. But it's the same way with boundaries. You have to agree on boundaries. What does that look like? Well, everything from, you know, who you meet with and who you don't meet with. Whether you meet with someone of the opposite sex, then you have somebody there. Whether you... Uh, allow people to access your, your personal phone or your email, you make sure that you always have somebody else in that loop. You just set healthy boundaries. You don't go certain places. You don't do certain things. We as Assemblies of God ministers have boundaries, and we set these boundaries. Why, they're not there for legalistic reasons. They're there like the boundaries for water and the boundaries for fire to allow us to use those sources to its greatest impact, its greatest force. We set boundaries for protection. We set, set boundaries to allow us to be a better version of ourselves. So you have to set boundaries. You got to walk through that. We, we take a whole chapter in talking about that, but boundaries, they can be manipulated because it's real easy to say, well, I'll just move that boundary a little bit. That's no big deal, right? That's not going to hurt anybody. 
I can move that boundary just a little bit. And that doesn't hurt anybody. I can, I can maybe fudge a little bit over here, and that doesn't hurt anybody. And day after day, week after week, we just keep moving boundaries. And today it's not that big of a deal. But then next week, next month, next year, we move those boundaries a little bit more. We move them just a little bit more. We start letting down our guard. We start letting our convictions lapse just a little bit. We move those boundaries and we just keep moving them until pretty soon the barrier, the limits that God said we needed to set in order for us to have life, we've removed those boundaries. And we can move them, but the fact is, our protection is still right here. It doesn't seem so bad when you just take one step this way. It doesn't seem so sinful when you just take one step here, but then all of a sudden you look back and you realize I've moved very, very far from where I should have been. I've moved real far, and it's, it's not easy to see it at first because it's gradual. And that's the way sin is. Sin will always take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Set healthy boundaries. Agree upon your boundaries. Live within those boundaries. They will protect you. They'll protect your marriage. They will protect your ministry. They will protect your children. They will protect God's call upon your life. Boundaries are there to help you, not to hinder you. But in order to have those boundaries, you have to be willing to die to yourself. You have to be willing to lay down your own agenda. But here's the beautiful thing that I feel like we discovered way too late. Because I feel like I had an agenda and Starla had an agenda. And they weren't bad agendas. They just weren't the same. But at some point, we had to come together just like we had to agree upon boundaries you have to be willing to die to your agenda so that the agenda of the marriage can live. Now, don't, don't miss this. God has a plan, an agenda, an assignment for your marriage. God's trying to get hold of Susan right now. <laughs> or, is, or is that somebody texting Pastor Terry? No, it's just Susan. Okay, all right. God has an agenda for your marriage. There's an impact that your marriage, your family, you as a couple are to have upon this society, this community, upon your church, your circle of influence. But until you agree upon that shared vision, until you agree upon that shared agenda, until you agree upon that shared calling, you'll still pursue your own. But you have to come to a place to where you're willing to die to your own agenda so that the agenda of the marriage can live. And I promise you, the agenda that God has for you as a couple is always better because the couple, the marriage, that's God's plan. It's God's institution. But I know that's a hard thing. But when we go back to the life of Christ, that's exactly what we see in Jesus. That Jesus humbled himself and left the glory of heaven and came down to this earth. Why? to surrender himself as a sacrifice for us. He died to himself so that the agenda of the Father could be done through him. 
So he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. Laid his life down. A few years ago, we were taking a trip to the Holy Land. And our trip was in February. This was, I think, four years ago. And our youngest daughter was to be married uh, in March, on March 31st. She came to Starla and I, and she had this idea. She said, Mama, Daddy, I got an idea. What if Aaron and I got married while we were in Israel? And I said, does that mean we don't have to rent that big barn out there in the country? I said, maybe I can get my deposit back. <laughs> we don't have to pay for the catering and the flowers. I hate this. is sounding great. She said, oh, no. She said, no, no. I still want to get married in March in that white barn out in the country. I said, okay, no. One marriage, one child. It's all you get. You get one. That's it. Not two weddings, just one. And she said, okay, okay, okay. And I looked at Aaron. I said, you okay with that? And he says, yeah. He said, I'd get married today if it was you know, all right with her. We could get married right now. I said, I'm sure you would. But we did decide, you know, while we were in Israel, we had a moment. And when we went to the Garden of Gethsemane, we went to that garden. We, Starla and I asked our daughter Hunter, her fiance Aaron, we asked them to join us next to one of those olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we stood with them, and we made them commit to what we called at that moment a Gethsemane ceremony, to die to their plans so that the plans that God had for their marriage could live. And we walked them through a simple little vow, commitment, that we kind of made up on the spot that we end up incorporating, and it's in the book as well. But we were able to take several couples and walk them through that. And then every trip that we've taken back, that we've taken back to Israel, we've taken couples to that same tree in that same garden. We've walked with them through this. But the whole purpose is this, getting each husband and wife to understand that they have to die to their plan so that the plan of the marriage can live. And what more beautiful place could we do that than in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus exemplified that himself? Where he knelt down and he prayed an agonizing prayer as sweat drops became blood drops pouring from his forehead as he agonized on the inside, dying to his will so that the will of the Father could be done. In that garden where he said, not my will, but your will be done. And that's where Jesus made the decision, the final decision, to go to the cross and pay the price for our sins. His body to be beaten so our bodies could be healed. It was in that place, in that garden, where he died to his will. The Bible tells us unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, then it cannot live. Something has to die in order for something else to live. Jesus died so that we could live, so we can have life. We enjoy life. We enjoy abundant life and everlasting life, the promise of everlasting life, because Jesus died. So what has to die in order that God's plan for your marriage can live? Your will. Your individual will. Now this is where Guys like me says, hold on, God. 
that's not fair. Because I've been dreaming and planning and I've been preparing for years. Now you just want me to lay all that down? What I found is yes, because God has something better. Better for us as a couple. So we die to our will so that the will of the Father can be done. And in Holy Communion, we're able to recognize what Christ did for us. And I'm going to ask as we prepare to receive communion today, for us just to prepare whatever agenda, whatever plan, whatever idea you may have or whatever agenda you may have as an individual to be willing to die to that so that God's plan, God's will can be fulfilled through your marriage and through your ministry. Because I promise you, whatever you've planned, God has planned something better. Whatever you've dreamed, God's already dreamed something bigger. Whatever you've sketched out and you've organized, God's already created something better. And when we're willing to die to our will, his will can be done. Jason, would you guys come back up, please? And I'm going to ask you, have you already received the communion cups when you came in? All right. Did anybody not get one? Okay, everybody's got them. I'm going to ask you to take that communion cup. You can peel back the bottom portion and take the bread out. And in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. But I'll give you a chance to open up your communion cup. I've never felt more anointed. I've never felt more empowered to do what God's called me to do until I was willing to die to my plan so God's plan for our marriage could be fulfilled. It's harder for stronger-willed people, leaders. We don't want to give up control. But I promise you, God's plan is always better. When you're willing to die to your will, God will step in and he'll provide a plan, an anointing, a calling, a vision, a direction that is so much better than you ever could have imagined. Would you do me a favor and stand to your feet? And if you're with your spouse right now, I'm going to, Starla, will you come up here and join me? You moved my barrier. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, if you're with your spouse, to just turn to them just before we take this bread and take this cup. And I want you to say it in your own words, but I want you to commit to them that you're willing to die to your will so God's will for your marriage can live. I'm not saying that you haven't ever done that. I'm not saying that your life hasn't exemplified that. 
But this is a time for us to renew that commitment or to make that commitment. Maybe some haven't even recognized the value of dying to an individual will so the will of the marriage can live. It's, it's almost shameful. It took me so long to recognize that. Because I, I, I kind of saw Starla for many years as just, I, I think I misinterpreted helpmate, that she's just here to help me do what I'm called to do. And that was wrong. God has a plan for us together. And when we're in agreement with that, we're empowered to do so much more. And I don't want you to miss out on the greatest anointing, the greatest empowerment that can come into your life. And that's when you're in complete unity with your spouse. We have to do this together. This retreat is about enhancing marriages and families. I want you to be enhanced. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, just before we take the bread and the cup, would you turn and just communicate it in whatever way is most comfortable for you? You're willing to die to your will so the will of God can be fulfilled through your marriage.